you'd like to contact the show, send us an email at liveonfourlegspodcast at gmail.com or follow us on any of our social media accounts on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Live on Four Legs Podcast and on Twitter at Live on Four Legs Pod. I can see most people here, there. It gets a little dark in the back. Can you just lighten it up? I can check on everybody real quick. Everybody in the back? Wait, sorry I didn't... Sorry I didn't mean to invade your privacy. I think there's two people fucking on the top. Just turn the lights back off. Let them have their own night. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, Might have been three, but I couldn't tell. And away we go. You're listening to Live on Four Legs, the live Pearl Jam podcast experience featuring... Mr. Stone Gossett! Fucking camera in the truck. Hey everybody now, welcome to Live on Four Legs, the definitive live Pearl Jam podcast, and if you have never listened to us before, well, I just said it, we are a Pearl Jam podcast that focuses primarily on their live show, that's why we are a definitive live Pearl Jam podcast, so what we do is we go and we take a show from somewhere in the band's catalog, like this year, it's 2010, we're going back 10 years from the Backspacer tour. Sometimes we go back to the early 90s. Sometimes we kind of stick in the middle in the binaural tour. We'll we try to hit up as many different eras as we possibly can. But today, Backspacer, and we're going to break down a great show from uh, Newark in 2010. Talk about the songs, talk about the performance, and uh, just basically... Yeah, this is a, a great excuse to talk about Pearl Jam for about an hour. So, Randy Sobel here and John Farrar over there. Hello, good afternoon, good evening, sir. Hello, hello. Uh, how is everything going on in your life? Uh, same old, same old. We're we're stuck in the Groundhog Day situation, man. We Every really day are. The same. So, so this is good to, uh, yeah, it's good to kind of get, get a chance to talk about this, uh, break up the monotony a little bit. Of and course. This is a good one. We had, uh, we had Kieran, uh, who won our last fan standing. Yes. His prize was he got to pick a show for us to cover, and this was his choice. So thanks a lot, Kieran. Congratulations. And what I found out afterwards was, uh, and we kind of went back and forth, the, the show that he really wanted was uh, one of the Fenway shows from 2018. Those were our first shows we ever did because it was the podcast uh, sprung off from from uh, from those shows. Uh, so then he you know, he asked about uh, about this one, and I just assumed that he had went. But he's like, no, I, I just really love the bootleg and I love, uh, you know, I love the set list and, and kind of w- one of the things that he said we have to talk about somewhere is the songs that were crossed off and the songs that were 
um, played in uh, in Soundcheck. So we're we have a lot of material to cover today because it's all. I mean, they're covering basically every era and and deep deep within that category catalog yeah. of of every era. And weren't there weren't there some uh, some noteworthy shows that happened right after this? I forget. <laughs> you teasing me or what? A L- little bit, a little bit. Okay, um, yeah, there might be one or two. There might be some uh, one or two good ones, but uh, yeah, we we've covered we've covered those before. The MSG shows are, I believe, a day after this. The show was the 18th, and I believe the MSG shows were the 20th and 21st. And we've covered them before last year. If you weren't around to listen to this podcast last year, we did every single MSG show in existence. So you know, if you want to go into our back catalog and look for that stuff, that uh, that night two episode is one of the best episodes we've ever done. Before we get into talking about the show, there is one thing I do kind of want to talk about because it's relevant to the concert scene and really. The concert scene is kind of, it's nothing right now, and, and it can't really be anything. And, and there's some places and some venues that are trying different things. And I got an email the other day, and it was, you know, I get emails from different ticket companies all the time trying to promote their shows. And one that I saw was Dinosaur Jr. playing in uh, a place in Connecticut that's a little less than an hour away from me. And I'm like, you know... I'm really hungry for this. I'm hungry for some live stuff. I, I, I feel like if any time is a time to do it, it would be now, you know, we're, we're heading into winter. We're, we're about to head into winter. So we really won't have the opportunity because it's not, there's not going to be any shows in any arena venues anytime soon. So maybe this is the time to get that fix. And look, I'm not like the biggest dinosaur junior fan in the world. They have a couple of really great late eighties and early nineties albums that are fantastic. I really like, uh, but I th- thought it was, it was just a good opportunity. They're doing a socially distant concert. It's on a farm somewhere in Litchfield County, Connecticut, which if you know, Connecticut, that's a very, it's a very rural part. And it's very, I mean, it's expensive rural, uh, but like, You know, it's interesting because our spot that we're at, so every row has kind of, it's kind of like a checkerboard almost where you're in a spot and then they jump a spot next to you. That would be, you know, the same amount of space that, that, that your, your grid is, they call it a grid. And, uh, and that's where the next group of people are. So I decided I'm like, all right, if we're gonna do this, we might as well be in an aisle because if we're in an aisle, then that's less of a chance to be around people. So I don't know. What do you think of the concept? I, I think it's interesting. I, I'm willing to give it a shot. And I just, I kind of want to just be a part of the experience to know what it's like to be at a, at a concert during, during the quarantine era. Yeah. I think it's, it's just going to be weird. Like if, if, if I had the opportunity to do something like that, I would just, it would just be surreal to me. Like that is hoping it's, it's temporary. I get it. They're doing what they have to do to survive, but I, I can't, I can't see that going forward as an, as a permanent or semi-permanent option. You know, I've been seeing a lot of things on social media on, on Twitter about like all these like independent venues that are in danger of closing permanently. Yeah. You know, so definitely if you're able, like check into that stuff, I know there's a lot of fundraisers going around to like the save our stages 
I mean, save the show that, box so. stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, good thing like, that all around, all around the country, happened. all around the world, a lot of independent venues are are in danger of shutting down, and like if they shut down, like there's going to be a lot of a lot of music that's lost. So yeah, if you have the means and if you're able, definitely check that out. But yeah, I mean, I. I, I think it's great that they're doing it. I think it's great they can do it. It seems like they're going about and doing it the right way. Um, you know, I'd hate to to think of anyone getting sick from going to a concert like that. But it it sounds like they're you know they're taking all the precautions that they need to do. But I just yeah I, I can't see that. I it's just not not for me. Like I I'll wait until until it's it's safe to to go back to the old way because it just wouldn't be especially like a band like dinosaur jr where their their music is best heard in like a small club somewhere uh, like yeah. a sweaty beer and all that like You're it just right it just wouldn't it wouldn't be the same for me it just it seems too sanitized for for like rock and roll for me yeah i i don't disagree with that i don't disagree with that but again like you want to make something work in the stage of quarantine and you know Connecticut, out of all the states, it's one of the top states that's handled the coronavirus the best. So if any place is going to do it, this would be one of the better ones to do it. And that's why I feel comfortable going because I know that they are taking the necessary precautions that uh, they said you can't eat any food or drink anything outside of your grid. You can't, uh, you have to wear a mask everywhere you go at the door. Uh, they're going to take your temperature before you come in. And if they notice, if they notice you without your mask on, uh, at any point, like they can kick you out like that. That's just the thing. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm just interested in seeing what it's all about. And, uh, and, you know, obviously the live music is, is, is great and, and getting a chance to, to get that for the first time since February is going to be nice. But, uh, you know, I, I, I want, I want to be a part of that experience again. And, and this is going to be an, an interesting thing. We, we can't go to ball games right now. We can't do the, you know, we can't go to bars and, and do the things that we want to do on a normal basis. But, you know, to bring this back to normalcy just a little bit, if this is the first step to get there, I'm, I'm on board with it. And, you know, maybe I, you tell your grandkids one day, like, Hey, uh, I, I remember 2020 and this is what it was like. And, uh, we had, we had to go to concerts and we couldn't be near people. And, uh, and who knows, maybe this is the future of how we handle concerts. And it would be really disappointing if it was, but we, we just don't know. Right now, there's so many question marks. We don't have a, a future point to, to, to look to, so... Um, but yeah, you'll you'll have to you'll have to report back after after. You oh go yeah, and let us know how it went. I definitely plan to. Yeah, I, I think I'll use the social media pages as as sort of a uh, you know a platform to to you know show some pictures and some videos about what's going on and and yeah, I, I want to get people as engaged into that as possible. And also, if you guys have local shows around you that you plan on attending, show us too because we want to see how it's all going down and, and, you know, uh, maybe, maybe we'll do a little bit of a discussion on that for, uh, for some of our listeners at some point too. So, uh, all right. Uh, anything else we need to talk about? Anything good? Why don't we, uh, why don't we plug Patreon real quick? Uh, there's, 
there's stuff going on on Patreon because there's always stuff going on on Patreon. Last week, we released the South End episode, which is the first ever European show that the band did in 1992. I thought we had a fun episode and uh, we really got into some of the, the crazy things of that era before they really, really exploded. And, uh, you know, this was in February, a month before Unplugged. So this is this is prime territory here. They're gearing up for it. Um, and, uh, so if you want to check that out, uh, we're going to have a bridge school episode coming up pretty soon. We're probably going to have the river mirror evolution episode coming up in, you know, probably at the end of the month or so. And, uh, tomorrow actually is going to be our, and this is a little bit of a tease for next week here. We're doing our Neil jam forum tomorrow. So for people that are on Patreon, I know I I've sent out messages. I'm sure you guys have gotten them. Uh, you guys, Every 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 fourth the fourth of every month. Why don't you tell Why don't you tell everybody what happens on the fourth of every month, John? Yeah, because you know the the podcast is called Live on Four Legs. So on the fourth of every month, we send all of our patrons a bootleg of a show that we're going to cover the next month to kind of give them a chance to to digest it and go through it, listen to it, and kind of let us know what feedback they have. What let us know what they want to talk about. So it's a chance for us to to reach out to them and get some get some kind of instant feedback before we do the episode. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I and look, we love you know talking to our listeners, and I, I think they have such an interesting and a lot of things that we've talked to them about have kind of sort of shaped how we think about certain things, you know, uh, it could be anything, anything from their experiences to, you know, maybe somebody knows more about the musicianship of what's going on, but getting all the voice, getting all different voices in the room is always uh, a good thing. So, uh, yeah, tomorrow is actually going to be, you know, a reminder for all our patrons. And if you do sign up to Patreon today on the 19th, uh, we will send you that bootleg. So if you wanted to be part of the forum, you can, it's the Neil jam show, from Dublin in 95. So this is the Mirrorball tour and there's not a lot of content that's been spread out a lot about this but uh uh the Neil the Neil group recently had a vote on what bootleg from their history. I guess his fan club, I I don't know what his fan club's called. Uh but they uh they had a vote on it and I'm sure it was very heavily in, uh, Pearl Jam influenced because the top 2 votes uh, I don't know how it worked, but basically, uh, this show ended up as the number one and number two requested show. So <laughs> they, uh, they released it to the, to their, to their, uh, to their fan club. And, uh, I, I got a handle of it and it's something that I think most hardcore people have. And, and, you know, guys like bagel have had it for a long time and I'm sure you had it too, John. So, uh, we, it, it's just something that we wanted to share with the people, but that is part of the Patreon perk. If you wanted to, to be a part of that, head on over to patreoncom slash live on four legs. And yes, that Neil Jam episode is coming next week, and that is a part of our Around the World. I think we've teased it a little bit, just saying, like, hey, like, you know, I we're going to be doing something really, really special for, for the end of the month and, and uh, the Ireland show. So that's that's going to count as our Ireland show. Maybe it won't count towards our uh, Live Footsteps uh, stats, but it's, it's going to be a really enjoyable show. I think we're going to have fun with it. Yeah, where's that 25th anniversary of Mirrorball, too? Like, Give me some outtakes, give me some alternate takes, give me some yeah. give me everything from that thing. Like yes. uh, I would I would uh I'd pay top dollar for that. I want I want Neil and Stone having conversations about writing music. Like that's 
that's a dream for me. Like have in between takes, like have Neil sort of direct or do whatever Neil does. Cause you know that he's in charge of the whole damn show. I just want, I, I want to be a part of that. You know, I want, I want to hear it all. So yeah, yeah. Give me some, give me like, yeah, give me a book. Give me the retrospective. Give me a movie. Like, Oh yeah. That's, that's classic era. Yep. Yeah. I, we're going to have a lot of fun with it. A lot of great mirror ball songs and it's all, it's all basically stuff besides rocking in the free world. It's all basically stuff that we've never, we're never going to talk about because it's, it's Neil Young stuff. It's uh Cortez, the killer and uh, don't let it bring you down. And those, those songs uh, outside of the mir- mirror ball are the, the classic, classic Neil songs that, you know, the band was able to thankfully play for, you know, a couple shows on this tour. So uh, that'll be good fodder and conversation for next week. Um, okay. So let's get into covering Newark here. Uh, we do have another, so this was sort of a double request while Kieran requested it for his last fan standing win more on that later, by the way, we are doing another last fan standing pretty soon, probably within the next week. So that's something you're interested in. Hit us up. Uh, so Matt Thompson, who is one of our patrons actually requested the show as well. And, uh, want to share a little bit of what he wrote to us about his experience being in the show. So he said he was at the Cleveland show before taking off to New Jersey for work. I believe Cleveland. So it went, I know Hartford was on the 15th and Boston was the night before Newark. So Cleveland and Columbus must've been, I guess somewhere a week before that if I'm not mistaken. Does that sound right? Mm -hmm. Okay. That's right. So he said, uh, decided to extend my stay and catch the Newark show. I luckily picked up a spare from the tent club message boards from a guy coming down to the Boston show. This was the best deep cut show that I've seen with tracks like alone, supersonic and brother last, the last time that brother was played on this show. The highlight for me was a phenomenal version of inside job. The show gets some static from the fan base because the crowd was evidently lackluster, but I didn't notice and I really enjoyed the show. And Newark is the reason why I usually try to hit the remote spots on a tour since the set lists are more eclectic. And, and, and that's a really good point that sometimes you do get a really different set in a place that, you know, doesn't get as much attention. This is sandwiched in between Boston and New York, major, major cities where you kind of you know, while you have to play some rare stuff and, and give the crowd some some gems, you have to play the hits on those shows, too, because that's a lot of your crowd is, is going to be there for the hits. So for them to come into Newark and basically just, you know, throw darts throughout their whole entire catalog, start out with a binaural song, play a ton from Yield, uh, play a ton of unreleased 10 songs songs that that were from the 10 era that are basically lost dogs and some that aren't lost dogs uh to play all of those like that's you you usually wouldn't get that from a show from a major city yeah just ask uh ask moline and greenville how that worked out for them being kind of out of the way exactly that's definitely something we've talked about before but yeah this is uh this is one of those things man like they you know they know there's there's people from Philadelphia there. There's people from New York there. Like we we've talked about with those Hartford shows, it's kind of a kind of an in betweener. And mm-hmm. yeah, this is this is an opportunity for them to kind of just screw around a little bit. I think he even says at one point, like, "Oh, we're just making it up as we go along now." <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. It feels like every every two to three song, like it's just you know something from deep in their catalog. Like I probably haven't seen half the songs that they played on this right. night. 
You know, that that's how that's how ridiculous it got. But even more ridiculous, you look at the songs that were left off this show. So Breath, No Way, Leaving Here, Gone, and Porch were originally on the set list. That's uh that's some pretty heavy hitters. Yeah, you talk about rare ones. Yeah. Having No Way crossed off, I mean, for a lot of people that that has to be oof, that has to be a real uh just disappointment, I guess. Yeah, and gone too. Like that's one that immediately off of Avocado that that just never gets played. Like it got played on that tour and then just got dropped. So it's lost, that's that's right? one I would love to hear someday. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, even so, they were replaced with like Insignificance, Daughter, and You Are, and then the sound check included Thin Air and Man of the Hour, two that really don't get played a lot either. And uh, and they played Leatherman in the soundtrack, uh, the sound check, which they ended up playing in the show. Uh, which we'll get to in a little bit. So yeah, like this is again, this is a dartboard show where they're just kind of, you know, of all errors, they're they're trying to get the best of uh, of stuff that fans can cross off their their checklist and you know stuff that people really enjoy too. It was enjoyable. Listen, yeah, and any anytime you start off with with of the girl, you you throw the playbook out the window. Like you have you have no idea what you're in for at that point. open the show with Mike just wailing on a solo like that like it just brings such a, a, a smile to my face like I can imagine just being in the crowd and just being like this is this is how they're gonna start like like I'm just mind blown because usually they're easing into it this is just it's it's so different because um, you know Ed in a lot of I, I want to say like 80% of their catalog you can say that Ed is such a major focal point of the song. In Of The Girl, Ed takes the biggest of backseats. He takes a backseat to the rhythm. He takes a backseat to Mike just getting his platform. And it's really like Mike and Stone work so well off of it that Ed doesn't really need to do much more than he than he does. Yeah, think about it too. And it's a good point because if you think about the songs that usually open shows, you think about like a release or a long road. Like those are Ed moments. You think of like a, a given to fly, that's an Ed moment. A corduroy, that's an Ed moment. Even like a wash is more like a stone moment, like oceans. Those are not usually 
songs that McCready like stands out on. But of the girl, like even like a like a sometimes is an is an Ed song. So they'll a lot of the songs they open with are Ed songs, and that's a good point that like of the girl is a chance for for Mike to step into the spotlight immediately. Right, there's no, there's nothing on Of the Girl where there's no minute where they don't sing like, oh, how he makes his get. That's not like a chanting moment. There's no call and response, like release. How everybody just absolutely belts release me, or how Wash that Ed just shatters Wash my love. That whole line at the end, like, you're right. There, there is no moment for that. And again, to start off with McCready as your platform is so unique and so different that it, it, we say it all the time that uh you know it's always gonna and uh gonna show you what kind of night it, it's gonna be when you open up with something completely different definitely and uh and really right away look you transition of the girl into brain of jay and evolution right after that that's like uh, your 98 2000 section really really early on you would think okay, maybe they would get to, you know, a song like The Fixer got some very early because it's still pretty early in Backspacer's history here. But uh, Brain of Jay just coming out of the speakers right away to get the, get the crowd moving in. They were doing Evolution in that three spot a lot during 2010, which I loved. Um, yeah, Yield songs in this show were a highlight for me for sure. Yeah, they sound great. And one thing I noticed on Brain J is Jeff's bass just sounds so yes. good. You can hear all the little, like, runs and everything he's doing up and down. It sounds awesome. But you reminded me of something, too. Like, you know, Newark is is basically right across the river from Philadelphia, if I'm not mistaken. And they had just Close done enough, those yeah. they had just done those Philly shows, you know, six months before this. Right. So those, <laughs> that had those people had heard almost everything. So, yeah, that's another reason they can go into this and just kind of, like, just wing it and be like, hey, you know, whatever, whatever we want to play, you know, th- this might have even been like a like a stone set list or something, or more of a collaborative effort. Like, I'd go to the other guys, like, hey, you know, we were we were just here six months ago and played almost everything that we know. Like, what do you guys want to do? You know, right, right, Exa- exactly, yeah. I, I think you hit the head nail on the head, and, and obviously with MSG coming up, there's going to be a lot of shared fans from msg as well so you're thinking okay maybe tailor those shows a little bit to to play stuff more like corduroy and uh you know other you know of the the sing-along and more popular songs elderly woman and, and all those songs that they played at uh at the, both nights at msg but um you're right this is a stone show i don't know how else to put it it's just it's mostly stone songs and it's mostly stone spotlight which we don't really get to see a lot of the girl opening up brain of jane evolution where stone has solos early you know following a song that might get a solo and then you know stuff we'll get to later on too it's 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 a great way to start again evolution in the three spot it's not something that gets done nowadays but that 2010 they were playing around a little bit this was really the sweet spot yeah, and even in these, even in these like quote unquote dark board type shows, the deep cut shows, you still need those anchors for the people that are that are more of the casual fans. You still need those moments in the service where where everybody can, everybody knows a song and everybody can sing along and, and do the thing. And that, an evolution is there, you know. For the, there isn't really a crowd favorite song in the first 
you know, seven or eight besides Duty Evolution. So I think it, it's needed here to kind of get people who aren't necessarily those those hardcore fans get them into the show early as well. I, I agree with that, and I think that's a point that I'm going to bring up a little bit later in uh, in this main set that uh, that maybe that part was lacking. Uh, but yeah, like Evolution, you're you're right. Like it's usually played at most shows deep into a set and it's used as kind of a, a roll up moment for the crowd but when they put it on and when they put it early in the show and it gets everybody moving it's just it fills it fills it, it's great if you want a corduroy replacement for this spot or a hell hell replacement it, it's perfect so uh, and the crowd lo- look I, I think from a lot of what I read about the show everybody said oh the crowd wasn't really that into it well I guess Brett Eliason did really good with his mix because you get a lot of great crowd stuff at the show. And just the roar after Evolution ends is fantastic. You would think, oh, of course they're into this. This, this sounds great. But there are also other moments that I noticed where they, they aren't into it as much. Right. And then, yeah, the, but, you know, the, the fixer after the Evolution, I think, is a little bit of a letdown. So I think it's it's placed in between two songs that I think are going to, are going to get people going. So, I mean, the, they'd been touring backspacer for, for a year. So they kind of had figured out, you know, which songs were going to work and which songs weren't. And I think that the fixer could have been a little bit of a letdown. So that's another reason to put evolution there. And then to back end it with another deep cut, that's going to make the fans happy. I think was definitely done on purpose. Yeah. Especially like you said, the Philadelphia shows, if people, if those were the last shows that people have gone to and they were at all four, I think the fixer was probably played three of the four of those shows shows. They were playing it all the time at that point. And, you know you know how it is like mind your manners you're, you know that you're getting it so i don't want to say it's a pee break song because it's kind of in such an early spot that you don't want to use it for that but it, it, it is a little bit of a, a disappointment a throwaway a little bit early but um you know it, it is what it is it's the era and you know there's still on a high off of Backspacer, and a lot of people really do like Backspacer, so it works here. Um, should I mention that I'm a fascist? <laughs> um, yeah, we we did have we did have someone on uh, on Twitter a couple of weeks ago who did say that this was his favorite song. Shout out to you, my friend. More power to you. I I don't get it, but if if the Fixer is your favorite Pearl Jam song, then then that that's fantastic. But and he called yeah, me a you, fascist. You, yeah, you you uh you you took issue with that didn't you? Uh, why was I, I, I don't see what I, I just said. I, I was just trying to put some sense into him and I was trying to be like, <laughs> okay, all of these other songs that are just like the most amazing songs in their, in their catalog, like Corduroy and hell, hell and given the fly, like those are, I mean, if I were to make a top 100 list, I don't know if Fixer makes my top 100, and they only oh, have... It's, it's it's probably in my bottom 10. Yeah, and they probably have, what, like 170 original songs roundabout? At least. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Fixer doesn't make my top 100, uh, and I'm I'm sorry, you you can't put it up there with, with the corduroys of the world and, and rearview mirrors and things hey, like man, that. So, you know, some people are just into pop music, like they, that's just yeah. what they want. So, you yeah. know, La- Last Kiss okay. was, a, was a number two single for a reason, man. That's, that's, that's just what some people are into, and you know, it's, it, it, it takes all kinds, man. The, if that's what gets you into the band, then hey, well, you know, welcome, we'll, we'll, we're glad to have you. 
that's okay, but I'm not a fascist for disagreeing with them and saying that the other songs are better. I, I think he said it with a little with a little smiley face emoji. He wasn't taking it too seriously. Well, he 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 lingered for a little bit longer than he wanted to. So anyway, we'll get off of that point. I he's probably not listening. That, that that's just my guess. But uh, all right, Ed kind of talks here. Says it's a beautiful day in New Jersey at least inside because outside it felt like Seattle and he's saying, he says he's seeing license plates being held up and he's anticipating that they have been stolen and kind of mentions that they they've, they're going to be there a while. And, and you know what? I just thought about this now actually saying that, you know, it felt like Seattle and getting a lot of these songs just like alone. That's right here. Do you think they had sort of the mindset of, you know, it feels kind of like, an early era day. It feels like kind of like a day that we would go play a show at the show box or rock candy or a venue like that in, in 92, 91. You think yeah, they, you know, back maybe to they, that? they were just feeling loose and maybe kind of had a hometown feel to it, you know, coming off of a, coming off of a Boston show and, you know, knowing they've got those MSG shows coming up, which are going to be, it's going to be a big deal. And there's going to be a little more pressure on them there. You know, that's a bigger stage and, you know, yeah, I can see where they would just just use this as an opportunity to just kind of loosen up and, you know, let their hair down, as you say. And, yeah, just kind of have some fun with it. Yeah, and it's cool. Like, I love the placement for Alone here because it kind of yeah. it comes out of left field. It's it's fifth in the set, and, I, and a couple of nights later, you would get Breath in a very similar spot, which is sort of like Breath is really, well, you get that massive four or five song stretch early in that for in that second MSG show breath is is the moment that you're like okay this show is more than what we're getting I think they definitely tried to mimic that idea that they were doing with alone here because you know you get this so early in the show you're like okay if this is here now and we got brain of jay of the girl already what the hell else are they going to throw at us it feels, it oh, feels yeah. like definitely and you know they wouldn't know this but you know there's so much more to come <laughs> and oh and the, uh, this alone is, is great too a lot of the later versions we talk about it's it does seem kind of like thrown together kind of half-assed if you will like oh we don't really remember this one but here it is but th- this you can tell they rehearsed it it sounds great Ed's doing a little vocal improv thing near the end. He does do the little outro vocal. That's which my is favorite great. part. Yep. There's a there's an amazing mic solo. He really goes off kind of halfway through his section there, and it sounds absolutely great. This is, I mean, this might be my number one one from the show. Wow. Get through it. Okay. All right. Let's let's see. Uh, we're only on song number five here, so let's yep. let's see how everything plays out. He reaches for and the water turns a red god. Woken up to be burned, burned again. Uh, this is for the New Jersey surfers. I know there's some of you Amongst the Waves, you wouldn't think that those two songs 
would work so well back to back, but they find a way to make them work really well. I, I was very impressed by this. Definitely. Well, if I was there, I would have thought they were going to start playing all their songs alphabetically. Like, <laughs> alone into Amongst the Waves, you're like, sure. okay, yeah. so here we go. We're, we're getting everything. All those yesterdays coming up next. Yeah, it's going to be like a 24-hour show, yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, like, Amongst the Waves, like, again, this is this is going to be a theme, too. Like, the Backspacer songs or that they that they play at the show are definitely the ones that hit live a lot better. They, yes. they definitely picked the more fan-friendly half of Backspacer to play at the show. Yeah, for sure. I think Unthought Known is probably the one that has stuck around the most. To me, I think Amongst the Waves is their best live track from uh, from Backspacer, maybe next to, to Just Breathe. Uh, but, you know, you're, you're right. Like, it's the best choices. You know, they, they've always struggled with things like Speed of Sound, and Johnny Guitar doesn't really resonate with the fans as much. Uh, but Amongst the Waves, you can put it in a set today, and this could be like the modern day low light where this could come back into sets and be there every other show and I don't think anybody would have a problem with it. Yeah, and it's it's another McCready moment too. Like it's a chance like it's a it's to showcase his, his solo at the end there. It's, he just it soars into another level. It just sounds like it just keeps going up and up and up and up. It's it's wonderful. Right. And it's getting really intense on those high parts. I mean there's so many buzz phrases, I suppose, for the show, but like, I feel like the band is in the zone on the show, especially like it just feels like they can't be touched at all. And, you know? Yeah, it's a looking at this this little first section, like, yeah, it's so many ups and downs, and like, yeah, starting off with a binaural song, getting a rare song from Tenera, new song like Yielded. Yeah, this is this is a roller coaster of the first seven songs here. Yeah, and they, they find a way to make it mesh so well together. They come. And then, like, Immortality to follow that, In Hiding, Even Flow, those are songs you don't... Like, this is such a, a different and unique way to get to Even Flow, because you usually get, like, a nothing man or an elderly woman or something that's really, like, a sing-along, a crowd-pleaser. And, you know, Immortality is one that they can just well weigh on. And again, Mike is insane on that solo. The way that he's playing on Immortality, he very specific strumming that he brings back in a lot of these songs later. I, I, I don't know if this was something that was on his mind, but I, I noticed the, the similar t- tune and uh, the similar tone. And I think he was doing that in Evenflow, too. I don't know if you noticed that. I did have... I, I noticed that that build up in Immortality with, with Mike and, and Matt playing together when they just kind of let loose and let it all hang out. It's it's one of the one of the best things they do and yeah, this song's incredible live. So I yeah and they not a lot of vitality songs at this show. So you know, I no. get immortality this early you would you'd think you'd be you'd be setting the mood for some more later, but not really. But right. yeah, this immortality Especially. and hiding even flow it's it's a great section. I mean, they're all songs that begin with vowels, so they maybe they wanted to keep that going a little bit. And, but yeah, I mean, even flow too. Yeah, you mentioned the that part of even flow. He his solo when he first takes it sounds like an air raid siren going off. Right. And yeah, that's what I'm got, saying. You got you got stone jumping around. Like then it gets really really quiet and like it, some really good dynamics in that. Yeah, I, yeah, I thought it was great. I enjoyed this whole section. Mike's influences on that version of Evenflow are just 
they just stand out so much. That that solo is like a Hendrix, Stevie Ray Vaughan, Ace Freely, like just melting pot of lead guitar goodness there. Like I, I you know, that's everything he's ever learned put into that one solo. It just has that feel to it, especially Hendrix. It just, I mean, everything he does feels almost like Hendrix. So. Uh, yeah, you know. I, I love it when he doesn't, and he, he does get a little like, you know, Van Halen finger picky, you know, finger tapping into it. But I love when he holds those notes and like really you can tell he's putting the the emotion and the passion and the soul, you know, whatever you want to whatever word you want to say when he's putting that into it. He really lets those those notes bend and breathe and like that. That's when I think he's he's at his best when he's really finding his own voice through that guitar. Absolutely, absolutely. We always talk about how, how when he holds the notes, that's his that's his soul coming out. That's his soul, you know, scorching or screeching, I suppose. Uh, yeah, that, that, I mean, that's McCready at his best for sure. Um, it, you mentioned the vowels, and this section is, I mean, there's six vowel songs in a row. Uh, alone they, amongst they the cover waves. them all in this main set a e i o u that that's your that's the lesson for the kids going back to school this week and hey, there's there's your vowel lesson they cover Wait, all the a e i o u songs oh yeah unthought yeah yeah <laughs> they yeah they did i wonder if they've ever done that intentionally or unintentionally uh, i know song. and they bookend the main set with two songs that begin with o which i don't think has ever happened i, I can't picture once. that ever happening yeah huh. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't know if that was by. I doubt. I highly doubt that that was by design. It probably they, only they occurred to me because I have young kids who are learning the alphabet. <laughs> yeah, I, and you know what? Ed had young kids at the time too, so maybe yeah. it did occur to sure. him. So, 2010, I think his kids were you know at least three or four. So, uh, insignificance is fantastic from this show. Uh, this is again, intensity is just another buzzword from this show and Ed is strumming the shit out of his guitar and they bring this, this performance is so electric that they'll bring it to the next night at MSG, which is not something they would usually do. Uh, there's a couple of these songs that, uh, that don't get played very often. I guess they were really feeling this and you are, they would bring back to, uh, to that first MSG show. So, uh, yeah, like. When, when you're on fire with some, some, you know, you're. It's like when you when you put in the utility player in baseball and they get a couple hits. And you're like, all right, well, let's see if he's got more hits in that bat for the next day. You, you play him again. Yeah, you go with the hot hand, and I'll, I'll go even further. I think I think those were put on there as a warm up to see how it went, and if you know, they maybe they were thinking about playing him in MSG. It's like, hey, let, let's throw him in there, see how it goes. If we like it, then we'll bring it back. Right, right. And insignificance, honestly, from that from that first MSG show, and I know we talked about it, it was during kind of a lull of that set list. I don't know if you remember that conversation at all. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, it, it just it was mixed in with songs like I Got Shit and Down that really just didn't work too well together. But here, I mean, this is following Evenflow and following what you get from Evenflow, and then Supersonic is going to follow that, which is, you know, just a fun, bouncy song. Like it's 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 much better placed in, in this show than it was at the MSG one. Um, I do have to mention we don't get this very often, but we get this on this song right here. John, what do we have with Supersonic? Is is this a live on four legs debut? This is a live on four legs debut. All right. Yeah. <laughs> 
especially album versions. I think yes. we're at, I think we're done with Backspace for now. We hit like the Johnny Guitars and things like that. And, I mean, there's songs that we've only done once or twice that we have to do again in the future just to keep sprinkling and mixing them in. But um, there's some Riot Act songs we haven't done, like Ghost and mm-hmm. Help Help. Uh, we haven't done Ark yet. I think Rival was the last of the Binaural. Okay. So, so is that... Is there another... No, because we did... Big Wave was the last we needed. So it might be those few from Riot Act, and, and that might be it. Yeah, and we're, we're, we're getting it. We're, we're going to get it completed you know, <laughs> sooner than later. My, my goal was to try to get every song played once by the end of the year, and I yeah. know... I know for a fact that it, there is a show that we're going to be doing later this year that has Ghost. So, and and actually, there's going to be a show that has Art too because I, I picked that for that specific mm-hmm. reason. Wasn't it? Wasn't was Drifton one of those two? We needed off of Lost Dogs. Yes, we okay. need Drifton and Hitchhiker and right. Drifton. We're going to get to, but that's going to be a bridge school episode for Patreon. Right. So, right. if you're as much of a completist as us, then I guess you got to be a patron to to get that. Uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah supersonic. Like I, I, I want, this occurred to me when I was listening to it. You know, we talk about how, you know, all the talk was about how Dance of the Clairvoyance was a Talking Heads influence, and you know, we go back and we talk about how you know, Mind Your Manners is kind of a Dead Kennedy song, and Got Some it has kind of that Devo influence, and they've they've done that. You know, in their later years, they've kind of taken inspiration from some of those late '70s, early '80s bands, and Supersonic. This didn't occur to me until I was listening to it. This is totally a Ramones song. Like I can I can totally hear it has that Ramones beat to it. It has that that Ramones. I, I can totally hear Joey Ramones singing Supersonic. Like this is this is this is their ver- this is their take on a Ramones song. Yeah, that's that's not far off. I, I I can feel you on that. I think it's it's a little less four chordy. It's a little bit more of I well, the guess Ramones barely got to four chords. The, 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 by the <laughs> well, time they got to three, they were done. <laughs> but it, it, it's a little. I, I I guess it's more mature than a Ramones song. Maybe it's a, a matured Ramones, but um, yeah, like an eighties Ramones song. Yeah. Maybe. Okay. Yeah, you might be onto something. I'm I'm just gonna have to listen to it a couple more times and and really figure it out. My my whole point from Supersonic is just on the album. I almost have no interest in listening to the song. Like I I have. I don't know. It just doesn't hit me. But listening to a live version, I, I do get a nice little feel from it. I, it's a it's a bouncy song. It's an energetic song. It feels like the band is having fun when they're playing it. And they haven't played it since 2015. So you, you really don't get much from it anymore. But, um, you know, it, it's it's quick. Two to three minutes, too. Fun. I yeah, And yeah. also the only Backspacer song I haven't seen. So. Yeah, I saw it in 2012, and it was it was great. You know, it was they they were playing a festival. It was just a quick two hour set, so you know you need need you need those kind of songs sprinkled in so they keep keep things going. But yeah, I mean, it, I remember I remember really liking it. Like it's it's fast. Everybody gets to go. You know, do the hey hey hey's, and yeah, it was fun. Like you said, it's it's not it's not the media song in their catalog. You know, lyrically or musically, but. But yeah, it's it's kind of lighthearted and it's fun. It's you know it's like a Ramones song, and the Ramones were much better live than on than on record. So yeah, I'll, I'll agree with that. Sure. Yeah, and a lot like you said, Backspacer was just a very poppy album to begin with. It was just a lot of a lot of songs with just I guess catchy lyrics and and just singable parts. You know, Unthought Known is coming up later. 
the same the same kind of gist. That's just how they were writing at the time. And I think from what I remember, and I'm sorry if I if I bring up you know nostalgia here, but from what I remember, the backspacer mentality was how it was because they were in a really good mood because politically they could write an album that wasn't going to be about George Bush shit anymore that, you know, they were, they were feeling very positive since Obama took office in 2008. Right. I I think that was definitely part of it. Yeah. Yeah. So I, again, I didn't want to, I didn't want to think of the good old days and the nostalgia and bring that up and, and make everybody feel, uh, feel awful about, you know, current state of affairs, but uh, you know, sometimes it, it just, it just turns out that way. It just happens. So we'll just move along and get to the next song, which we have covered in our catalog before you have to go all the way back for all of you live on four legs historians out there. You have to go all the way back to episode three. The only time we've ever covered the song. It's one of the oldest in their catalog. Love it. <laughs> It was instrumental, and then they would put out the, the Redux later, and, and it would have lyrics to it that nobody knew even existed. So, yeah, like, what's uh, to, to get this song kind of out of nowhere in a show like this? What's uh, what's your reaction to that? Yeah, it's just strange. Like, it's a it's a weird song. Like, it, yeah, it goes back to the very, very beginning. It's kind of an awkward melody to it. It's, it's not doesn't really have the groove that they other a lot of the early songs did i think this was a song too if you go back on the in the lost dogs liner notes i think jeff talks about how this song almost broke up the band like they argued about whether it deserved to be continued like they were going to continue playing it or not i think it, jeff says i think him and stone almost came to blows over it wow um yeah so and I, I don't, I don't love the song. I mean, it's it's unique for what it is. I mean, this we talked about it. We mentioned at the beginning. This is this is the last time they played it. They have they haven't brought it back since then. But yeah, it's it's strange. Like I, it's just a strange song. Like I, I don't love it. I, the instrumental version that does nothing for me. Um, the the vocal version is only a little better. But I mean, they again, you know, give them credit. They got through it. You know, they. They've been playing it a couple of times in 2009, 2010, so that was the time to catch it. But you know, they get through it okay. You know, it's it's. I think it's it's just another thing that's there for the novelty. Yeah, here's a good question for you. Do you think if it kind of stayed in 1991 the same way Just a Girl has, do you think that people would be clamoring for it like they kind of are? Like, hey, bring a lot of people want them to just I don't think so. Okay, you, you I don't, don't, I don't so, even think. 
I don't even think that just the girl people. I don't even think that's a very vocal minority. I think that's no. They just want it to want it. Yeah. I mean, if they were to play it, like it, again, just a girl is not that great of a song. Like it just it doesn't. Brothers have the a better same... song than just a girl. Right. Um, but yeah, just it just like just a girl and brother. They just don't have that same kind of like uh, like I mentioned the same kind of groove, the same kind of melody, the same kind of like magic that something like alone has something like alive something like breath a lot of those early songs like they you know every band has that you have just songs that are kind of clunkers and pearl jam is unique in that they've stuck around and they've mined their back catalog over and over again and you know they people people want to hear this stuff so yeah i think if it had stuck in 1991 i don't think anybody would have missed it Okay. Yeah, I you know, I, I've since we're on Just a Girl and we're probably almost never gonna talk about it only if we cover the uh the off ramp show someday, which I'm sure we'll do. Uh I I I've always considered it a discount alone. It's like they took little pieces from alone and utilized them, but it it just didn't it didn't formulate into a song that, that really is yeah. meaningful in any way. So I, I think brother is at least a little bit more established and it's okay. Like it's, it's not one of my favorite of the dogs at all, but uh, you know, that that 2009 run is pretty cool that they did a bunch of shows. And I was thankful that I was at that uh, Chicago show where they played it. And, you know, very early on too, in my concert going that I was able to kind of catch one of the, the rare songs that they could play. So it's, you know, to, to, to have a checklist song is is nice but it's not you're right it's it's not like it's not one i'm ever going to be clamoring for again that's for sure yeah um, they, they didn't do they didn't do the whole family trilogy there we get we get no we get one of them so a close. couple of songs later but yeah they 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 didn't do the whole the whole part of it yeah yeah it came it came close but uh yeah they they did miss the boat and maybe this is where ed was just kind of because going into the song, he's like, we're just making shit up as we go along here. Uh, mm. I don't see a written set list. I was trying to look for, for one earlier. I couldn't find it. But um, I, maybe brother and daughter were, were supposed to be back-to-back. And maybe. then they yeah. added in Glorified G at some point. So Yeah. Um, Glorified G, by the way, this is this version. I know that I've been so sour on the song the last couple times we played it. I've... This version I felt a little better about. Uh, this this felt like it had some spirit to it. It felt like they weren't trying to rush it, and it just it, it had it had a better overall identity to it than it it, it has in the two thousands. I suppose. Yeah, I can see that. It's another song that that doesn't do a lot for me live. Like I think it sometimes falls flat. But yeah, the the vocal, the little vocal harmonies at the end, the little counter melodies that they're doing are great. The no, from you know your heart from your chest part is great. Ed's right. That sounds great on it. So, yeah, I mean it's it it does pick up at the end. You know they definitely it definitely felt like they they put a little more passion into it than they normally do. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I do like this performance too. And again, you know earlier stuff. You know, I, I don't think you get this is really your verses section right here. You don't get too much else besides indifference from, from the show. I don't think. So uh, go, 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 go. Oh yeah. But, yeah. Okay. Yeah, not very much. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. I want to talk about the, the album breakdown when we get to the end of the set, but sure. it's, it's very strange. But yeah, we'll talk about that a little more later. All right. Um, in segueing in, into Daughter, Ed kind of looks towards the top, and he's you know just addressing crowd, and he's kind of he's he's 
I don't know, he's just addressing bullshit here, and he says, uh, sorry, and in- interrupted the two of you doing your thing, or wait, maybe it was three of you, so he's <laughs> just, he's fucking around, having a good time, but, uh, then he talks about the humble beginnings of Daughter, and this is a really cool story. This is, uh, this is a song that had really small beginnings, and, uh, uh, it was just something that Stone played, and we were in a in a uh, bathroom in a back when we were staying in really shitty hotels. We were sharing a room in uh, it was like a Motel Eight in Denver, maybe Denver. Uh, anyways, we we were uh, we were in the bathroom because the acoustics were better there, and uh, and it sounded pretty good off the bat. So uh, you've heard it before, but that's uh, that's where it came from. Yeah, it's I, I love that. You know, we we have that scene from the from the PJ twenty movie where they're they're in the van working on it and yeah, that's that's my maybe my favorite part of that movie oh, me like too. Yeah. period. But yeah, I mean I was I went back and looked at the uh at the concert chronology and it turns out they were in Denver on July twenty fifth, nineteen ninety two. So I think maybe we can place the origins of daughter to that that either that day or maybe you know maybe they got into town the night before stayed in a motel or something and worked on it but yeah i love when when we get these little snippets of the origins we can nail down you know a time like when or where a song was written and to tie a bow on all that really on that day in denver that was brother that's right so, you know, yeah. nice little connection there that they, they they fought for so long about Brother and then they wrote another song. They're like, OK, that one can be Brother. Oh, wait, no, <laughs> we're, this one's going to be Daughter. Yeah. Uh, very strum heavy in this version. I, I, I felt like this version was just it was played a lot harder than usual. I, I, I don't I don't know how you if you felt the same way. On it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Stone from the very beginning is is doing a very different strumming pattern than he normally does. He's playing it a lot harder and a lot like more on the upbeat than he normally does yeah it's there and you know what i i think i i sort of fall into this category sometimes with daughter that it gets to sound the same too often and and you know it's it, it lasts for three minutes and then you go into the tag and you're interested to see what the tag is uh but you know every every now and again to just change up the to- the tone or change up the the rhythm pattern like i'm i'm all for it you know it's a song that's been around forever so why not i was going to mention the call and response here uh you mentioned uh the ramones and they're doing uh the the hey ho let's go blitzkrieg bop and then they're doing a really really good wma tag here this has firepower on it
I I love this tag. And sometimes you you think of the tags and you're just kind of like, okay, tags are tags and they are what they are and they're just kind of a part of the greater good of the song. Like this can this can separate itself from the song if it's that good. Yeah, the transition from the Blitzkrieg Bop section to WMA is great. Like that that's one moment where the crowd you can really hear them get a, gets a really good reaction to like everyone's like, oh, okay, yeah, this is cool. And I was going to say, do we know who the white male Arizonian was? I'm thinking John McCain, but I, I know he was in the news back then, but oh, I, don't, well, I don't recall my current events from okay, 2010. So, so they brought this up at the MSG shows too. Um, what happened, there was an immigrant immigration bill that was being brought up at the time uh, in Arizona that was extremely um, oh, right. controversial. So yeah, yeah. I don't remember some de- – I think there was another one that was very similar in Florida that happened that year, but uh, Ed was very vocal about it, and uh, that I think that's where white male Arizonian came mm-hmm. from. Yeah, that could have been another reason that, that they put a little extra feeling behind this tag. Yeah, I, I agree. It's, it's great. For sure. Uh, unthought known here, it's um, – it's a little uh it's a little haphazard and i think ed kind of jokes around at the end because it sort of starts off where ed doesn't know his strumming pattern and ed at the end kind of teases like oh it goes like this by the way so i thought that that was that was kind of a fun moment you always call out the adorable ed moments and this was one of them yeah he's so cute when he's self-deprecating yeah, and you get like maybe one other moment that was a little bit like that in the show, and I don't even know if we're going to bring it up, but Unthought was fine. I didn't have really much else to say about it. Yeah, this I mean, and again, we, we talked about it with, with Do the Evolution at the beginning where it's it's kind of that anchor in the middle of those other songs that are a little bit more rare, a little bit more obscure you need that do the evolution in there to kind of anchor it together for the casual fans. You have even flow that kind of does that in the middle of the set, you know, around your in hidings and insignificance and supersonic. And then daughter kind of serves that purpose at the end of the set. You know, you got your brother glorified G, you know, a couple other songs come up that are a little more obscure. So the, those little anchor songs, the more popular songs are very well placed in the set to kind of, keep it going like when there just might be a lull like when you just might lose those casual fans then they bring you back and like and daughter into unthought known is that too i think unthought known was one off a of backspacer that people immediately latched onto. like oh this is going to be the one yeah absolutely and i think the band kind of told you right away when they did that snl performance that hey this is this is one to pay attention to we're you know this this isn't just for the public eye we're going to play this for the for for years to come here and this is going to be important to our catalog um and and yeah look i i think you make a good point with some of the bigger songs as anchors but like this ending to the set to end leatherman and and leatherman is super rare at the time uh hadn't been played since 2007 uh 2007 i almost said 2017 um and it i think is the longest delayed song that had been played at the show. I think it's the, the, hmm. the song that, yeah, that had been the most time without playing, which is weird because you got Brother and Alone in there. Uh, but to go Leatherman into Lucan into Once and end a set, I don't, I don't know, man. I, I think that's a little... I think you needed like a porch or a rear view mirror or even go that would come up later. I, I, I think you needed one of those to really get you 
amped for what's to come in the encores. I, I just didn't feel that with, with especially with once. I, I just felt this was kind of a an okay version, but nothing to get really excited to end the set. Yeah, I I agree uh to a point. I think you're you're right. Like this is definitely a little bit of anticlimactic end to a set. But you know, they 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 were doing rearview mirror and ports so often maybe they just wanted to mix it up and yeah, once is is an interesting song because like we we just talked about some early versions where I I don't think it it translates very well. Like it's the one Pearl Jam song you can you can totally hear, you know, Steven Tyler or Axl Rose taking a shot at and I I don't love that about it. But I do think it's evolved into a little more of a more of a crowd moment kind of song where you can get everyone pumping their fist at the end and once once and they really play that up and it, and they do that to better effect I think at some point this is I agree this is not a not a, a show-stopping version of once I think that that they maybe intended it to be well if you watch the video and this is this is something I was really you know intent on looking for in in the YouTube video was that the crowd and the fist pumps in the crowd, it was, I remember specifically the, the two nights later, the first night of MSG, everybody in that crowd during once was pumping their fist and singing back at them. And it was one of the most incredible things I had seen at a Pearl Jam show up until that point. They pan out and they show the pit and they show the GA and there's like six or seven people doing it. It's like nobody. And right. I, I, right. I, I guess that's that's the the criticism on the crowd for this show is that they they just weren't as into it as as Boston or or even Hartford or 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 MSGs uh, you know i i mean it, some of these songs sound good on the mix but that moment and seeing that perspective of the crowd and and not people not being into once i think they needed a song that was a little bit more energetic and a little bit more fan favorite to to, uh, to just close with yeah it might have been something that, that worked looked better on paper than it actually you know worked out in actuality yeah right. i think uh, it was kind of a kind of a letdown at the end yeah and so, some shows they can do that I, I feel the same with why go sometimes where why go could be a great set closer and then why go sometimes they can just kind of run through the two minutes of it and you just sort of forget about it you know, I, I think it falls in that same category, but um, now you're going into the encore and you're really getting into some of the big stuff here. So uh, in before Just Breathe, Ed is mentioning that a fan wrote in and talked about his father being sick. And I remember this story because, again, MSG Night One, they would tell the story again and the father and son would show up to that MSG show. I think they were at the show in Newark as well. Um, and yeah, great stories. And Ed is kind of like talking a little bit about the fragility of life and, you know, how important it is and all that. I think that's a lot of the themes that would later come into sirens. Uh, but it, you know, great story to, to get into just breathe and a really, really good version of just breathe with everybody's part really being able to shine. Well, yeah, I always have to mention when that when that bass part shows up because it's That's oh, it. it's so good. I love it. Yeah, this is this is great. I was I was I was listening for it and I was not disappointed. Yeah, I, I great version of the song and, and I don't think 
maybe that Charlotte. I, I do remember that Charlotte version that we were both kind of like, ooh, that's that's uh, a little bit off for us. But there aren't a lot of bad versions of Just Breathe when the whole band is involved. Um, right. But this one, I think, is is a little bit of a step above. You know, th- this would actually be a good evolution show if we wanted to to go that route at some point and, and ditch the older songs. Yeah, let, let us know if, if that's something you'd be interested in hearing. Uh, Footsteps and Inside Job, look, two of my favorites of all time. Uh, you know, I, I think Footsteps was used as a request. And again, you're getting so much from the original 10 era there that, uh, you know, the band is really taking a nod to the early days. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And Footsteps, it, again, sometimes it can be a little more folkier and a little more up-tempo you know a little poppier but this is this is great even the harmonica still i think it adds something to it in this version it's it sounds great yeah you know i i was more i was more focused on what mike was doing in that and solo and his delay effects and they really it sounded like a 10 era-esque uh solo that mike was doing instead of you know what they would do now they would do it a little bit differently but it just had that uh, i don't want to is it delay? Is it echo? I don't know what it is, but it's that just that sound that feels like it's 1991 or 1992. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think it's it's a delay pedal. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Then, then that that's what it is. And and you know they they brought it on this version. I I wasn't I didn't even pay attention to the harmonica in this. I thought it was just kind of like it was the, it was there it, it was fine but i was i was really focused on mike I, I thought that mike had a terrific solo part in this but um inside job i think our patron matt uh mentioned that this was his moment i don't think that there's a bad live version of this song yeah inside job is one that because it has that really long intro because you know because of the way the song is structured it kind of gives everybody a chance to really get into it it really sure you know pays off that anticipation for for when it finally you know starts singing in the verse and yeah it's and everybody knows he mentions it's a mccready song but everybody knows you know and yeah it's it's so it's so much more powerful live than than on the record it's it's another one it's it might be in you know in retrospect it might be might be my favorite song off of avocado it's definitely my favorite song off of Avocado without without a shadow of a doubt. Um, I, and also, you have to think for the fans in attendance, and this is just sort of a showy thing, but since it is a Mike song, he's playing the double neck guitar, and, you know, to, to bust it out in front of the crowd, that's something that, you know, you think Dire Maker and you think Zeppelin and Jimmy Page, that's something that they would do very, very often. That, that's his nod to that. So yeah, that twelve um, string sounds great. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and and it's again, it's a very showy thing, but uh, it doesn't happen very often in Pearl Jam. And again, like song, he can do whatever the fuck he wants. So, uh, got some go in this set, and you know how I feel about got some in the encore. I do, I do. Don't don't care for it. I like this combo though. I think the combo sounds really good together. Um, I'll give it that. I, and and look, it's the backspace of tour era. I'm not gonna get all furious that they're playing. Got some in 
the encore of the album that they're still promoting. I'm, I, I don't care. You know, it's 2016 and 2018 that they bring got some into an encore. I'm like, no, this, I can't do this. <laughs> and you know, they're kind of, they're doing like the, the kind of Devo vamping, like Mike's doing the thing where he kind of like doing the little robot moves and sure. Yeah. Jeff's doing his thing. And you know, this is the part where, you know, we've, we've kind of crested over the encore. We're coming into the home stretch here. You know, and they're just, they're having fun. You know, they know this, they're getting ready, they're getting to the end of the show, getting to the bread and butter, and they're they're just, again, they're just having fun. They, they've gotten past all the all the hard stuff that they, they didn't know, all the rare songs. So, yeah, that Got Some just seems like they were, they were just really having fun with it and just letting loose. This is a very short encore one, by the way. I know it is. Inside Job is what, like a six-minute performance, whatever it is, but it just, it felt like it, it went by in a flash. Yeah, very quick. A lot of short maybe songs. That, yeah. Maybe that's why. That's because I, I listened to it twenty minutes before we started talking about it. But um, that's that's another story for another time that we don't need to know about. Uh, anything on Go? Go. I love when Go closes a, a set. I think it, it just it fires and amps you up, and it wants it's leading you. It, it's what I wanted out of out of once. I agree. Go is is interesting because it's. You had you start off with just breathe, you get into footsteps inside job, very build up, you know, kind of slower, mid tempo songs. You get into Got Some, which is a little more pop rock, and then you you blow the roof off with Goda and the encore. It's very well done. It's 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 a very you know it's a short encore, like you said, but it's it's very it's done on purpose to to, to build you up and then hit you in the face very quickly. And yeah, when when Go starts, it's always one of the best moments that any show. That first two or three seconds of build. Absolutely fires you up immediately. Yeah, love it. See it open, see it close. I'll take, I'll take it. Uh, Encore two is a little longer than Encore one, just a smidge, and uh, they're having a little bit of fun. And Ed uh, does mention here that he's glad the show happened because it almost didn't. I don't know any other details to that. I, I, I either didn't seek it or didn't really know how to research for that. But apparently, the show wasn't going to happen. Or maybe maybe in the booking stages they were glossing over Newark. Who, yeah, who knows? Maybe. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, he asked for Keely to make uh, make the lights brighter. He wants to see the crowd, and uh, they get into Jersey Girl. Got no time for the corner Down on the street making all that Don't want no hoes only that
it's kind of funny because people really know Jersey Girl from being a you know a, a Bruce staple in Bruce's live set, uh, but it is not a Bruce Springsteen song, and every everybody just assumes. Well, he's from New Jersey, so and it's got the sha la la las. Like it's obviously a Bruce Spring. No, it's a Tom Waits song. Sounds oh, yeah, nothing we, like a Bruce Springsteen song. We know, song we know Ed is a big Tom Waits fan, and Ed is it's kind of a little bit offended when the crowd starts <laughs> chanting for Bruce at the end. He's like, "Oh yeah, Boom's over there. Yeah, yeah, that, that's Boom," and uh, and. He's, he says, look, I love Bruce more than the next guy, but this is a Tom Waits song, you guys. <laughs> and you know how Jersey is. People from Jersey have been around people from Jersey before. They're, they're very, you know, they, they have a lot of pride and, and they, they want to celebrate their home state. They also don't want to be wrong. So this is kind <laughs> of the weirdest combination of that. So, uh, yeah, yeah Ed, Ed got you on that one. He gets to play the cool record store clerk who says, "Nope, that nope, nope. It's a little more, a little more obscure than what you thought, my friends." But yeah, he's. I think he's reading the lyrics off of a sheet of paper. I think one reason he has to turn the lights up is so he can he can read the lyrics that he's written out. And and Jeff playing a little stand up stand up bass there. I thought, yeah, I yeah. thought this was really cool. I thought I really enjoyed it. You know, I'm, I've never really done the the deep dive into Tom Waits. It's something that I always. Always, I, you know, I, I like it whenever I hear it, but it's, it's not it's something I've really too. done a deep dive into. But yeah, I think it's, it's a it's a great song, and it's one of the things I think they had tagged it one time in like 1998. They had played East Rutherford, tagged it on Daughter, but this is the first full full performance, so very cool for those people. This would be, this would have been great. Yeah, I, I really liked, I really enjoyed this performance, and it's kind of setting a tone for a more sing along encore and a more just upbeat kind of manner you know it, it it's 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 an it's a nice way to to get into this and it's an ode to a crowd that uh definitely enjoys their hometown and uh you know two two artists that are fantastic in their own right but there's a story here what happened to stone what happened with his guitar i don't know <laughs> <laughs> yeah something like i think maybe it was a tech issue or something or he Did a string break he makes like, it look like and Ed, Ed makes a joke like, "Oh, you're you're quitting the band now. You're just you're, <laughs> you're just gonna right. leave. You're, you're gonna leave after all these years. You're just after gonna leave. Years, yep. Yeah, yeah. And then he says this would never happen at a at a Springsteen concert. That's right. So, That's right. Uh, all ties together. But yeah, I'm I'm not sure what it was. I'd be very surprised if he had broken a, a string during Jersey Girl and not during Daughter or mm-hmm. you know do the Evolution or something. Well, so. I think it, maybe he has to get. You know, the next song probably requires a little more of a of a technical oh. expertise. You know, he probably oh, needed yes. some kind of special equipment that they they were maybe having a hard time getting to him in time. I think is probably what it was. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, the next song being "You Are." Yeah, it's 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 very involved, uh, the drum machine and all that. Um, but this is the other one that I mentioned before, along with "Insignificance." They would bring this back the next night at that MSG show. Encore, this is kind of an ode to, you know, just this whole entire set being completely unpredictable. I don't think they had done a riot act song to this point. No, nope, so, they're doing that set list draft. They got to cross all the albums. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, yeah, you are. I, I think it's a really good spot for it. And the next three, including you are, aren't ones that you will see in the Encore 2. This is usually the spot that's reserved for Better Man and Crazy Mary and 
you know, the, this, this is the arena rock section. And they seem to throw, throw out the book on this encore too. And they said, you know what, this is, this is going to be as unique as we did in the main set. Yeah. And you know, usually you might get, you might get one of them, you know, you might get a whipping mixed in with your better yeah, man's and blacks, but, or you might, Every or you might get yeah. a life wasted, but, but yeah, to get, to get three of them like this in an encore too is very, very, very rare, very strange. Yeah, again, it might just be, you know, coming off of Boston. They were like, "All right, well, we did a lot of, did a lot of great stuff in Boston. So, what's new? What haven't we done on this tour yet?" And yeah. uh, like, you are. This was the first time since the Spectrum show that they played. You are. Whipping was played one other time on the tour. Life Wasted was playing only four times. Yeah, you know, it's they aren't doing these too much, so they want to throw these in as sort of. And again, for them, probably as a reminder that they can play these songs and that, you know, that they like their own music, I suppose, enough and to, yeah, you know, to go back to, and do it. To, to give those songs a chance, you know, that's, you know, normally, like you said, you get a Better Man or a Black or a Rear View Mirror or something. But it's like, hey, you know, we're here. We're, 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 we've got this show sandwiched, sandwiched in between these massive other shows that we're doing. Let's, let's give these little songs a chance to shine. Right, throw, throw everything on yep. the table that yep. you can. Uh, alive and indifference, uh, you're kind of changing a little bit of the bread and butter scene here with indifference coming before Watchtower. This is a move that they made in Hartford as well. This is the exact same thing they did in Hartford. They invited Ben Bridwell onto the stage for Watchtower and they closed the night that way, which is a very, it's a cool way to close. It's not something I really wanted at the time. I, I, I am not a huge all along the Watchtower fan. Uh, and I, you know, lately we did that San Francisco show a few weeks ago and that version just blew everything out of the water. Uh, this wasn't anywhere in the same vicinity as that, but it was still good. Like it was still a lot of fun. Yeah. I thought, you know, and, and again, uh, this part is, is the, the, is party time at the show. A lot of sure. getting all the stuff, you know, Ed's climbing on the speakers, waving at people, pointing at people, you know, saying thanks to everybody. Indifference is, is cool. Like it's, it's kind of mellow. Again, you hear the crowd a little bit singing, which is nice. But yeah, that, that Ben Bridwell from Band of Horses just, he looks like like the nerdy guy that got invited to the cool party. He's just oh, freaking yeah. out on the he's tambourine. He's so out of place. He's, he's jerking all around. Like he <laughs> can't he, he can't remember when to go sing and when to rock out. Like he, he's, he's just so excited to be there. He's yeah. And he, for a guy, you know, it just goes to show, you know, that for a guy who's in a popular band, who's who's played big shows, you know, for him to you know to kind of be on the stage with Pearl Jam is at another level. You know he. Kind of reverts back to that kind of fan that we all would be, you know. It's kind. Of, it was interesting to see, but yeah, it's, again, it's we talk about it when they when they bring people from the opening band on stage. It's, it's not for, you know, it's not because they're going to be technically great. It's because it's a party and you're you're saying thanks to everybody and you're, you're sending all these people home happy. Right, and you know the one thing I did want to bring up, uh, they've been able to elevate opening bands, and I, I just, you know, Band of Horses aren't in the same category as like a My Morning Jacket or a Kings of Leon or a Slater Kinney are where when they opened for Pearl Jam and Pearl Jam kind of did the same thing invited them on stage to do a rockin' or, or a leave in here or something like that like that really elevated those bands I don't really feel that that happened with Band of Horses they toured with them for most of this tour and they didn't really see a, that much of a spike in popularity they've been fine and they're 
I, they're okay. Uh, they're not one of my favorite bands, but I just don't. I think the other three really saw a spike in their popularity after uh, opening up. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. All right, let's uh, talk about our three favorite moments from the show. Yeah, so I I kind of teased it when at the at the beginning. I'm I'm gonna go number three is gonna be the the daughter story. Uh, just getting getting a little insight into to when and where it was written, and then the uh, the whole thing with the with the WMA tag, like the Blitzkrieg Bop thing, the call and response thing is great. So uh, the whole the whole atmosphere, the whole scene around daughter is my number three. Uh, number two is Jersey Girl. Uh, thought it was nice, uh, kind of a cool song for them to do, and they had kind of a long encore break before that. I got to think they probably ran through it backstage to make sure they knew it. Um, but yeah, it was very cool. Tom Waits cover, you know, the only time they've ever, ever played it in full was, was awesome, but I'm, I'm going to stick with it. My number one still alone from this show, like to get it that early, to get such a really good version. Uh, I think that was, you know, we talked about all the, all the Tenera songs. I think that that was the standout for me. Yeah, I, I agree that the alone was the best of the bunch. I, Footsteps was fantastic as well, but, um, you know, next to brother, I, I think alone definitely, had the standout moment. Um, I'm going to say, Oh, it's, 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 it's sort of a difficult top three, but I'm going to say here that my number three is going to be the WMA tag. Uh, I, I loved, I, I thought they, they were really in the zone on it. Uh, number two, there's a lot of this stuff at the show that like, it would be like all tied for number three. And then like one thing that I think is above and beyond number one, you know, like I, I can say that I really like Go as the set ender. Uh, I really like Footsteps. I really liked, um, I mean, even Supersonic was really good. Insignificance was great. Uh, I would even, I would even say Insignificance could, could be part of, of this top three. I, yeah, sure. Insignificance was number two for me. Sure. Um, but number one is of the girl, <laughs> just starting your show mm-hmm. like that. And, you know, getting off to that just sort of unique start and that, you know, people don't really know where it's going to go. And then, you know, later on that it's going to take you in all sorts of different directions. Yeah, that's that's what I love about this band. That's what I love about these shows, just the unpredictability coming from it. And any time after 2000, you get of the girl opening a show. Yeah, throw throw it all out it's a dartboard show after that and and really my top i i didn't i didn't want to say it but like really brain of jay is 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 there too but i didn't want to be a brain of jay homer today <laughs> so um the yeah i mean the top three were just fantastic from the show but uh curious to hear your rating because uh i have one that i'm pretty i'm pretty set on i don't think i could be uh deterred either way so uh yeah okay. what uh what do you got yeah this is tough like i've i've vacillated back and forth between like a seven and an eight because here's the thing like if you if you love the 10 era right like you love those songs like you get alone even flow brother uh footsteps alive like a lot of early really good like a lot of 10 era stuff that you don't normally get so if you're into but that let stuff, me let me this let me ask great, you this, this though a great set would you call this a 10 era show uh, i wouldn't not necessarily but it's it's definitely it's heavy on that stuff okay because here's I, the other thing where's yeah. vitalogy where's no code like 
no code is no vitology songs one no one minute of no code like right. I, I thought that that's more the stuff that i think makes for better 2000 2010 era shows is when they when they focus more on those middle albums but you so, also have what four yield songs and two yeah. binaural songs yeah. a riot act like you're hitting every like i you know although brother and alone and footsteps are all in this i like i consider this like a show for the middle 90 like late 90s to that early 2000s like that's what i think about when i think about this show more okay just because there's so many of those songs but i get but, I, I i get where you're coming from so but what i'm saying is if if you're into that those that 10 era those songs if you're into backspacer obviously because this is the backspacer tour if if those two albums are high on your album list like say there are a lot of people that those, those two albums are their favorite pearl jam albums right Backspacer and ten, you would probably rate this very high, like a nine, nine and a half, because you get a lot of great versions of those songs. Very, very cool. Also, if you're into the serious collector part of it, you get a lot of really rare stuff that they don't normally play. Even one song that they haven't played since. You know, getting brother, getting Jersey Girl. You know, we we talked about all the all the rare and and kind of a little more obscure songs that they played. If you're into that stuff, you'd be more likely to give this a high rating. For me, it didn't quite get to the classic level that I give like nines, nine and a half to. So I, I, I went back and forth between giving it like a seven or an eight. I'm going to give it a seven and a half, which is which okay. is perfectly fine. Like I enjoyed listening to it, but it, there may be only one or two things that I would go back to. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That that's that's fair, and you know. I, again i think it's it's funny that we have kind of different reactions to this show because when i have seen the set list and think of the set list i i just like think boy there are, there are four yield error songs on this and and they all come very early on to, to hit you with brain of jay and do the evolution in two and three and and binaural uh at number one like that to me you don't see that at all anymore that that's a thing of of the past i don't know if that's ever even happened since so um yeah i I think of those things and i think of how much i i love yield and that's why i had such a a tough time picking three songs because everything was just on the same level it it, it was good and it was kind of right in my wheelhouse again like it's sort of that San Francisco show that we did a couple of weeks ago, it's sort of a light version of that. Like that San Francisco show was like kind of a show for the ages while this is more of a good show that had a lot of the same qualities as this, as that night three show. Um, I'm going to give it an eight because I, I, I just enjoyed listening to it. I thought, you know, it, it took about an, two hours and 15 minutes to listen to. It was not, it was an easy, easy listen, which is, you know, is a positive thing when it comes to bootlegs. And it's just has has songs that you know that you're not going to hear another bootleg. So it's, it's always a positive thing when, when you're going through and you're like, Oh, glorified G and brother and supersonic and immortality and in hide. Like it just has all of that stuff. Um, that, just sort of makes the recipe for the unpredictability that Pearl Jam can put into the set list. So yeah, I, you know, I, I think eight is, is perfectly acceptable for it. Okay. So not, not as far off as maybe you thought. 
Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I, I didn't, you know, again, I gave San Francisco an, a, a nine and a half and that had very similar kind of main set where they were playing around with, uh, you know, different kind of uh, deep cut songs like sad and light years and things like that, but still hitting all the errors in the same way. Uh, this had the same, it just didn't have the same feel as that show did. You know, it didn't, it didn't feel as big. Right. Yeah, I agree so. with that. All right. Uh, that's another show in books, 2010. I don't think we've done a 2010 show in a long time, so uh, good to get back on that wagon and, and touch upon all the eras. But next week, we're touching up on an era that, oh boy, this is, to me, 95 is is Pearl Jam at their peak. Yeah, I know 92 is, is huge, but you get more in the arsenal in 95. You get Jack in the band. I really feel like the Vitalogy 95 era is the best. And here's the thing though. 95 is also the Mirrorball era. And that's where we're really going to focus our attention to next week. Neil jam, Dublin, Ireland, 1995, there was so much going on in this year and uh, yeah, we'll have a lot to talk about. And remember if you are on Patreon or about to be on Patreon, if you wish to uh, go and subscribe as you're listening to this today, uh, we do have the Neil jam forum that's coming uh, tomorrow on, on the 20th on Thursday. So we're going to get some people to talk about the show and kind of, you know, get some opinions on that. And uh, that'll, we'll use some clips for that on our, on our episode next week for sure. Yeah, it's going to be great, and that's something we—it's something we haven't really touched on. It's going to be great to kind of take a break from the from the regular songs and, and talk about some Mirrorball songs in 1995. Yeah, I can't wait. It's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun. I, I mean, I'm just going to spoil everybody. I think it's going to be a ten, just because <laughs> it's not going to be something we ever listen to again. So it's it's my one time to. to I mean, it's the one time that they got to play with Neil. It, it's special. So, yeah, we'll we'll get so much to talk about. And it's really one that we're going to have to talk about just about every song, you think, right? Oh, yeah. There's, there's a lot of extended versions. Like, I think there's, like, they were doing some 20-minute versions of Scenery and, like, 12-minute yeah. versions of Big Green Country and a lot of that stuff they really went off on. So, yeah, yeah it's going to be it's gonna Piece be a of love, lot of I think, fun. was pretty long. Yeah. 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 And there are some that were on this bootleg that weren't played at the show but were still circulated so we'll you know we'll even maybe we'll throw that in as a patreon extra or we'll uh we'll do something maybe maybe we'll just talk about them for the regular episode we'll we'll see what we're doing so uh and uh yes we are doing last fan standing again next thursday on the 27th if you're interested in that hit us up on social media or hit us up on our email at live on four legs podcast at gmail.com and, uh, yeah, we're, you know, same thing. It's going to be the same kind of question, uh, structure and, uh, we'll, we'll go until there's one fan standing. And if you're going to be like Kieran, then, uh, you gotta, you gotta put some mustard on your fastball because he did not throw one ball. He, they were all strikes out there. So, uh, interested to see if he's going to compete again and to see if anybody's going to dethrone him. Bagel, I'm looking at you, buddy. <laughs> Yeah, well, those are always fun, and, and thanks to everybody who participated in the last one. Uh, hopefully they can all come back for this one. Yeah, it's going to be great. 
Yep. All right. Excited for it and excited for next week. And uh, we're very close to our uh, two-year two anniversary, too. So that'll come after Neil Jam. And, uh, yeah, there may, may or may not be uh, some surprises. We'll, we'll, we'll keep you hanging on that one, too. So, all right. This may be the end. <laughs> I know. I know. I can't do that. I can't do that. But I – sorry, guys. Sorry. That's just what it is. You'll you'll find out in due time, but it's going to be good. This may be the end. We're here, but not for much longer. And although we may be parting ways, I miss you already, and I miss you always. Thank you very much for Kieran and Matt for requesting this show. It was a very fun listen, and uh, thanks to John and I for uh, sharing it with you guys. That was it. That was Newark. We will uh, see you back for Neil Jam next week. We're just making it up as we go. That's right. Boom Gasper, is that what you're saying? Boom Gasper on the keyboard. Oh, nobody loves Bruce more than I do, but Tom Waits wrote that song. You should know. <laughs> 20 years and it's ending tonight. Never happened at a Bruce Springsteen concert. They're tight. <laughs>